You're listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. Hey, today, my title for today's message is Plant, Water, and Increase. Plant, Water, and Increase. Um, If you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 4. We're going to look at the parable of the sower today. Plant, Water, and Increase. At our house, we have a 100-pound Great Dane uh, that lives with us. Also, a small horse, if you want to look at it that way, okay? And uh, she, uh, we don't have a huge backyard, so she can do a number on our grass in our backyard. And if you have dogs at all, you understand what I'm talking about. She can do a number uh, on our yard. And last winter, uh, by the time we got to the spring season, uh, we basically had no grass in our backyard because she was running around there so much. And again, it's like a small horse, so she's just tearing everything up, you know, wherever where she goes. And, uh, and so I thought, man, when the spring rain came earlier this year, uh, my yard basically washed away almost. So I said, this winter, I'm going to be committed to the future of my backyard. And so what I did is I went out, did a little bit of research, went out, grabbed some winter rye grass, and I overseeded my backyard these past several weeks at the beginning of October here. So I began to overseed, fertilize, do all that work. And uh, before we had this uh, past week of rain, I was out there every day watering this grass seed. And I was out there doing it by hand with the hose because I want to make sure I didn't get too much so it wasn't washing the seed away because that happened to me before. My neighbor's yard looks great. He's got all my grass seed from the past two years. So uh, he's got enough, right? So I'm going to water it so it doesn't get too wet and wash away. So I'm going to water it by hand. It took me about, you know, 35, 40 minutes to water my entire backyard by hand and get it really soaked. And so I'm out there and I'm watering. And as I'm doing this, the Lord just spoke to me and I just had this thought. I have faith that this grass seed is going to come up. I planted it. I did all the right work. I, I followed the instructions. I fertilized. I am keeping it wet and watered. I know the grass seed will sprout. No doubt. But God put this thought in my heart, this question. Do I have more faith that this grass seed will sprout than I have in my prayers that the promises of God will come true in my life? Because you see, whenever you plant something and you water it, there's always this moment, these weeks of mystery. There's a time where I don't know if it's growing. The seed is gone. Did a bird eat it? Did it blow away? Did it wash away? Or is it under the ground growing? I don't know. That's not my job. My job is to make sure I've created the right environment for the seed to produce life. And I think sometimes what happens, we sow good seed in our life. And through our prayers and through obedience, we water that seed in our life. But then we struggle with the momentary season of, God, is it ever going to sprout and show up? The good news is for my grass seed, it's looking great, y'all. In case you were wondering, and I kind of left you hanging there, it's looking really good in my backyard, okay? It's all coming out. The rain has helped. It's been amazing. But there was a time there where I didn't know. Did I do enough? Do I need to do more? Do I need to do less? Am I overwatering? Am I not watering enough? Did I put enough seed down? I don't know what to do. I'm just going to be faithful to water and to commit to what I committed to do. And over and over and over, and eventually, what do I see? I see sprout comes. This is what happens in the spiritual realm. We get to a point where we are sowing, watering, and then we question God. But the thing is, the miracle of life is not our job. Our job is to plant, to water, 
to create the right environment. First Corinthians 3, Paul says this, I planted the seed in your hearts, and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. Another translation says God brings the increase. That's the important thing. But God can't bring the increase if I'm not willing to create the atmosphere, if I'm not willing to sow seed in faith, if I'm not willing to water in faith. God cannot bring the increase. He wants to partner with us, but we have to make sure that we're not overstepping our bounds to try to do God's job and not just our job. He's saying, you do your job, I'm going to do my job. You do the natural, I'm going to do the supernatural. When a farmer plants a seed and he waters it, he really doesn't make it grow. The miracle of life makes it grow. All the farmer can do is provide the right environment for growth and trust that the miracle of life is going to take place. And we do the same thing in the spiritual realm. We do the exact same thing. We should pray that the environment of our heart would produce spiritual life, and we should be praying for the lost people's hearts in our lives that they would become a good environment for spiritual life. Good environment for spiritual life. Um, one of the hardest things, one of the hardest lessons I've had to learn being in ministry, especially full-time ministry and, and lead pastoring, is I can come up here every week and I can preach directly from God's Word but I have no control over the fruitfulness of your life. Hear my heart in that. I can sow good seed, and I can water it with my prayers for you throughout the week. But we as individuals must make sure that the condition of our heart is ready to receive the word, not just on Sundays, every day. The condition of our heart, is it ready to receive what God has for us? Jesus described it as the parable of the sower. So if you're at Mark chapter 4, we're going to go to verse 3. We're going to read it, and then we're going to dive into it. Mark chapter 4, verse 3. says, Listen, and behold, this is Jesus talking, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell among the path, and the birds came, and they devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil. And immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And then the sun rose, and it scorched it, since it had no root. It withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up, and it choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seed fell into good soil, and it produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and one hundredfold. Here's what Jesus is showing us. He's showing us that our hearts are the soil of our lives. Our hearts are the soil of our lives. Whatever is produced in our lives is a direct result of the environment of our hearts. What am I allowing to come out of me? That's the result of the condition of my heart. That's why Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What is it? Out of the abundance of the soil in here, the spiritual soil, my mouth speaks. So we need to be able to identify which soil am I most prone to have in my heart. Because there's, I'm going to read through all of these, all four of these, and there's one of them that you are most prone to go back to. God wants to keep you in good soil, but you're going to be prone to go back to a certain type of soil. And the natural tendency is for whenever we come together, is, and Jesus shows this, the natural tendency is for the audience to critique the preacher. But Jesus said the preacher is critiquing the, his audience. The issue is how well are we ready to listen and apply? Now, here's the thing. If you're listening to a, a pastor or somebody that uh, is not using God's word, then yeah, there's definitely time for critique, right? And, and, and we have a good culture of that. I have several people in our church that I can trust to give me uh, cr critical feedback whenever I need it. But here's what Jesus is saying. 
If someone's preaching the word, am I ready to receive? Really? Am I really ready to receive and to apply it to my life? So let's look at it. Four types of soil. Four types of hearts is what he's showing us. Four types of soil, four types of hearts. The first one is the path. The path is number one. <clears throat> the path. In Mark 4, verse 14, Jesus' disciples come to him, and they hear the parable of the sower, and they say, hey, we don't really get it. Can you explain it again to us? And Jesus says, all right, let me explain it in more detail. So this is what we're going to read. Mark 4, verse 14, says, Jesus says, the sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown, where when they hear, Satan immediately comes and he takes away the word that is sown in them. Immediately, when the word of God goes out, the devil makes it a point to come and to quickly steal it. This is somebody whose heart is hardened by sin. They've been far from God, or they are far from God. They're not walking with God, so their heart is so hard, it's like a trampled path. In my backyard, my, my Great Dane, she has a certain path that she can go around the whole yard. And she, that's just her route, and that, that is the toughest spot for this grass seed to grow that I'm talking about. It's the toughest part. I've overseeded it. I've worked on it. I've tilled it up a little. She just tramples it right back down, and it's tough to grow. Why? It's been packed down so hard. This is what happens when we continually walk and knowingly, willingly live in sin. Our hearts become hardened. So even if there is good soil or good seed sown into our life, it has good potential, but it has trouble penetrating because our heart is so hard. One of the ways to identify this is how is my heart is someone that has a critical spirit. When they hear something, they hear the good news of, of, of God, they hear something that preach, they, they read something in scripture, but they immediately respond with a critic. Well, yeah, but I prayed for that person and that didn't happen. Yeah, but I tithed off that one paycheck and God didn't pay off my house. Critical spirit. <laughs> Immediately, they have some type of excuse to justify why didn't it happen. Immediately. A lot of people pride themselves in having a critical spirit, but when it comes to spiritual things, it's a very dangerous thing to have. We should discern the word, but the spirit helps us discern the word. But when I critique God's word to justify it through what I've experienced in my life, that's a dangerous road. My faith isn't in circumstances, what? It's in God's word. The path is hardened by sin. It's packed down. The seed still has potential. So what does the devil do? He will send spiritual enemies into our lives to remove the seed. He's already hardened the ground through sin and tricking us into it, but then he's going to send spiritual attacks to remove the seed because the seed still has potential. Even when my great Dane is walking around, there are still some seed that is coming up. Incredible. Even though it's been packed down and smashed and continually trampled on, it's still coming up. Whenever we were growing up, we lived in a neighborhood that had about one-acre lots. And uh, it was kind of out in the country. We had these one-acre lots, and it was all kind of spread out. In this neighborhood, it had a lot of ponds. Put these ponds in, and it, somebody had this great idea that they're going to bring in some ducks. Oh, it would be nice for these ponds. Let's put some ducks in here. What they didn't do, though, is they didn't spend a lot of money on the ducks. They got the ugliest-looking ducks that you can imagine. And these ugly ducks were... Um, after two, three, four years, eventually they were just taking over the neighborhood, to be honest with you. They were multiplying like crazy, and there was nothing that was, um, you know, keeping the, the number of them in control, if you know what I mean, all right? So they were, they were just multiplying. They were all over the place. These ducks were so comfortable in our neighborhood that they would walk across the street in a whole flock or a herd, whatever you want to call it. As they go across, they're just waddling across the street. You'd be trying to leave. And uh, not that I necessarily know this from experience, but you could even kind of hit them with your bumper, and they wouldn't care. They wouldn't care. You would walk up, or you would drive up, and you would hit them with your, I mean, you might hit them with your bumper, and they would just, 
What are you going to do? You're going to run me over. You're going to get in trouble if you run me over. I'm going to be a dead duck. They knew they belonged. They had some type of swagger about them that they belonged more than we did. The birds of the air, this is what, this, uh, that's a great picture of what happens in the spiritual realm. Is we, become, we can become so comfortable with the devil and the ways of the world that it's like those ducks walking around like they own the place. The, the devil and his, his buddies will make home in your life. They will feel at home in your life. And we embrace it as a part of life. And that's what's dangerous. Well, that's just how life is. This is just stuff that happens in my life. This is just the kind of uh, music that I listen to, even though it's not God-honoring. This is the type of music that we allow our, our videos or, or, or our TV that we allow our kids to watch. We allow these things to come in. But these things that are coming in are actually just like those ducks. They're birds of the air spiritually that are stealing away the good seed in our life. So the hard ground is hardened by sin, and then the enemy will use different things to come in and to steal the seed. And Satan will try to keep our hearts hard and dull, keeping the seed from making an impression. This is why in 1 Corinthians 2.14, we talked about this in our Holy Spirit series, but it says this. It says, people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolishness to them, and they can't understand it. How can they not receive it? Because they're so hard-hearted. And here's the heartbreaking thing about a hard-hearted person in the path is that the only way to get a hard heart to receive God's word is to till it up. And if you've ever had to till up hard ground, you know what? It takes work. You better have some good work gloves. You better be ready to sweat because it's going to take some work. How many people do you know? You've heard their testimony. And what did it take for them to find God? Disaster. Near-death experience. Something tragic that happened. And at that moment... They had an encounter with God, and they truly, genuinely pursued Jesus, and he showed up in their life. But what happened? God didn't send necessarily that attack in their life, but he did use it to till up their heart so that they could receive. A hard person's, the, the, the heart of a, a person's hard heart, in order for it to be ready to receive, must be tilled up. And that does not come very easily. Number two is this, rocky ground. The second type of soil is rocky ground. Rocky ground. In Mark 4, verse 16, he continues, he says this, And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and they have no root in themselves. But they endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. They receive it with joy. What's he talking about? They receive it. They, they listen to a message. They're in church. Maybe they're reading God's word, and they receive it with, with joy. Man, that was good. Man, that was such a good message. Man, I really needed to hear that today. There is this immediate response in their spirit that says, yes, I needed that. that. God was speaking right to me. There's this immediate response of joy, but it does not last is what he's showing us. It does not last. And I would say this, I've seen this time and time again in the church world, even here at Abide Church in our short history, where there's a lot of people who, they might come for the very first time, and they're very overly excited. Man, it felt like home as soon as we walked in. We love it here. Hey, we have these gifts. We would like to use them in the church for this, this, and this, and this. And it's like, hey, that sounds great. Why don't you just, hey, just attend for, you know, a little while, and then we'll get you apart. We'll just, hey, we'll find a spot for you. And guess what? Next week rolls around, and I never see him ever again. <laughs> never see them. Or they're around for about three months, and then they fall off the face of the earth. Can't even get a hold of them anymore. 
what happened. There was this immediate, but they had no root in themselves. And so this one is a little bit interesting. The rocky ground is interesting because Satan doesn't steal the seed away like the path. That's not, that's not it. This is not the devil working. This is tribulation or persecution. Here's what happens. Normally, it's the response from an unbelieving family member, friend, or person in their life that smothers the seed. So what? They came to church, they received, they go home, they talk to their boyfriend, their girlfriend, their, their mom, their dad. Man, church was so good. I feel like God was saying this to me. Man, I just, you got to come try it out. And what's their response? Mom and dad, or maybe a boyfriend, girlfriend, they respond and say, oh, come on. That's not real. They're just manipulating the atmosphere while you're at church, and you're just feeling that way. That's not really, that's not really true. And they bring in all these critical facts to, to compound it. And what is it? It smothers the seedling that is trying to sprout. It's not the devil. It's the person, it's the people they've surrounded themselves with. Who have they surrounded themselves with? Is it somebody who's going to encourage the growth of God's word or smother anything that is trying to take root in me? It says they have no root in themselves. They don't have their own faith. They don't have, that, that's what it is. They don't have their own faith. They have, they're borrowing the faith of someone else. Their, their faith is rooted in their parents' faith, maybe a friend's faith, maybe their pastor's faith. It's rooted somewhere else, but they do not have root in themselves. And, and here's how you do that. How do I make sure I have a root in, rooted in myself? I have to make my faith personal. There came a time in my life where I knew my pastor's Bible better than I knew my own Bible. And I said, I've got to get in here and know what, if someone asked me, what do I believe? Can I tell them what I believe? And in here, I can develop a root in myself, my own personal faith, but that only comes by backing it with action. They listen to God's word, but they never apply it. Application changes the soil of your heart. Application will change the soil of your heart. This is why James 2.17 says this. So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is, a dead, it is dead and useless. Here's what I would compare that to. Faith alone is like seed alone. Faith alone is like seed alone. What is action? It's the soil. It's what activates it. It's what tills up the soil. It's what makes an atmosphere for the seed to grow. Faith alone is like seed alone. I would say this too when it comes to not having a root in themselves. Sometimes their roots are deep. Their roots are just deep in the wrong things. Their roots are deep, but their roots are deep in the wrong things. Over the past couple of weeks as we've been driving in, into church, you know, not today it was raining, but there's some softball uh, fields that we drive by. We've been driving by about 7.30 in the morning, and we drive by, and the lights are on, and there's like three or four ball fields that are filled with kids. 7.30 on a, on a Sunday morning. And I think to myself, man, I hope those parents took them to church on Saturday night somewhere. Because if not, they're developing a root system in their kids in the wrong thing. If not, they're going to teach their kids it's okay to worship the lordship of sports rather than the lordship of Jesus. They're going to worship something. They're going to be rooted in something. But what are we rooted in? Some people are rooted more so in the news than they are God's word. And they wonder why their life is filled with anxiety and worry. What are you, what are you more consuming, the news or God's word? It's good to be informed, but what are you more consuming? Some, people, some guys have more roots in their fantasy football team than in God's word right? Come on, somebody. It's not bad to have hobbies or to have fun. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying, can I tell you more about the, how many yards my running back rushed for on this fake football team than I can about this book? Is there, where's our balance here? What am I rooted in? If I'm rooted in God's word, I can produce fruit. Number three is this, among the thorns. Among the thorns. 
Each of these has a progression. The first one, the enemy came and he stole the seed. The second one, the people we've surrounded ourselves with, the persecution we've experienced smothered out the seedling, scorched it, didn't have a chance. Number three is among the thorns. Mark 4, verse 18, Jesus says, And others are the ones sown among thorns. There are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and it chokes the word and it proves unfruitful. What's he saying? The temptations, the cares, the worries, the fears, they come in and it chokes out what God is trying to produce in our lives. One pastor said it this way, and I love this. He said, worry is choosing to suck all the joy out of today for absolutely no reason at all. <laughs> worry is choosing to suck all the joy out of today for absolutely no reason at all. Why? Because fear and faith ask the same question. Will you believe something that hasn't happened yet? Fear and faith will ask you the same question. Will I believe something that has not happened just yet? Will I continue in faith or will I give in to fear? Fear will come along and it will choke out anything God is trying to produce. He also says the deceitfulness of riches, right? Well, people say, well, I can't pay my tithe this paycheck, right? I can't give the first, but I can buy these new clothes and I can go out to eat five times a week and I can I have to drive this car, even though it's putting me incredibly into debt and I'm bound to it but I can't give God the first 10% of my income when it comes in. The deceitfulness of riches, I have to. And, and Jesus said this when it comes to that. He said, you're serving a spirit of mammon. So you can't serve two masters. He said, you're going to love one and you're going to hate the other. And if I am given into the deceitfulness of riches, I'm serving the wrong Lord. That's what Jesus said. The next one is the desires for other things. When I allow little things to come in that are not in agreement with God's word, when I'm gossiping, I'm sleeping around, I'm getting drunk, I'm lying, I'm walking in disobedience, and I'm just okay with it because it's just a little bit. It's just a little bit of this, it's a little bit of that, it's not that big of a deal. When God's word says, no, it is a big deal. This is not an immediate snatching or, or scorching of the seed. This is where this one is very dangerous because this is not the path. It's not the devil is taking the seed. It's not that others are the rocky ground where others are smothering and, and scorching the seed because of persecution. These things are the things that we allow to choke out the good fruit. And that's the difference. With this seed, with this, with this soil, this is the one where we allow things to come in and to choke out the good fruit that could be producing. What happens when you don't weed your flower garden in the summertime? Eventually, it becomes, yeah, you get weeds. You get weed gardens, which you get. Before you know it, the weeds are taller than the flowers. How do you then, what's the best way to weed a garden? What I've found is consistently. Not just when I'm out there mowing the yard. When I'm coming in from work, and I see one weed sprouting, what do I do? I got my, my, my clean clothes on, I'm going to bend down. I'm going to pull a weed. Why? Consistently. If I see one thing that shows up in my flower garden, I'm going to get it while it's small and it's easy rather than, well, I'm going to let this fill in with weeds and then we're going to have a work day. That's not the wise thing to do. Let's do it consistently. Consistently. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 6, 31, specifically talking about worry. He said, so don't worry about these things saying, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly father, he already knows all your needs. What does he say? Here's the solution. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Seek Jesus first. Seek Jesus consistently and you will keep the soil of your heart weeded from those thorns that would grow up and choke out the good things that God is having or God's producing in your life. You've got to make sure today, did I start my day focused on Jesus? 
when I, not just in my quiet time, but when I'm going through my day, am I focused on Jesus? Is he even in my thought life? Am I meditating on his word? Am I worshiping him throughout my day? Or is this just when I go to church and when I have, I read the verse of the day for five minutes in the morning? Am I committed to him? That's, it's what's going to keep the flower bed of your heart weeded from those thorns that would try to choke out the good things in your life. Number four is this, good soil. And I'll wrap up with this, good soil. This is the last thing that Jesus says. So the other ones are kind of heavy because it's like, man, I got a lot of work to do. But Jesus is sharing this because he's saying, this is where I want you to be. He said, too many people fall trapped to the first three. And he said, the goal is that you would get to the good soil and your heart would be good soil and you would live there and you would stay there and you would care for your heart there so you can receive all that he has for you. In Mark 4.20, this is what he wraps up with. He says, but these, those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word, they accept it, and it bears fruit. They bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. Those who hear it, they accept it. The New Living says those that keep it. So what do we see here? When they hear it, that is when the seed's being sown. When they accept it, that is when the soil was ready to receive. And then finally, keeping it is watering it through prayer and obedience. I'm going to keep it. I'm going to apply it through my obedience. I'm going to water it with my prayers every single day. So how do we keep our hearts good soil? By hearing God's word. I'm seeking the kingdom of God first. That's in church, but that's also personally. Am I reading my Bible every day? If not, we need to be. It's so elementary, but I'm amazed at how many Christians are biblically illiterate. In today's world, we have so much at our, at our fingertips. We don't have to be. We don't have to be. There's incredible resources. And if you don't know about something, if you need help, email us. Go to our, our website, fill out a contact form, and we will send you some resources that will help you read your Bible clearly and effectively every day. Accept God's word. That means take it upon oneself. Acknowledge it as one's own. I am making it personal. I am receiving it. I'm meditating on it. I'm accepting it. This is mine. I believe it. Now I'm going to keep it. That's the third thing. I'm going to walk it out. I'm going to act on it. I'm going to live it out. I'm going to put feet to my faith. Hearing God's word is a good first step. But acting on God's word nourishes the soil of our hearts, and it allows God to produce much fruit in our lives. And that's the goal. That's what Jesus said in, in John 15, 8. It says, when you produce much fruit, everyone say much fruit. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. Much fruit. Jesus is not looking for us to survive this life. He's looking for us to be fruitful in this life. But where does it start? The condition of my heart. Am I ready to receive all that God has for me? And when it begins to grow, am I ready to guard it and protect it, to see it to its fruitfulness? That's the other side. Our hearts are the soil of our lives. It's our job to create this environment for spiritual growth within ourselves. And it's our job to pray for others that they would have that as well. Who do you know in your life that they fall into some of these categories and they're constantly, they're, they're trying to walk with God, but it constantly gets knocked down time and time again. Now we know how to pray. Lord, soften their heart. Prepare their heart to receive all that you have for them. The path is what? When, when the devil makes himself at home and he steals things immediately. The rocky ground is whenever we hear, but we don't obey. And the unbelievers we might have surrounded ourselves with, they, they, they steal through persecution. They steal the seed as it's trying to sprout. Among the thorns is when I'm more concerned and committed to the things of this world. I've let all the stuff that I see around me consume me, and I'm just letting all these weeds grow up until eventually I don't have a crop. I don't have anything to harvest. I don't have anything, any good fruit. 
But Jesus said, I want you to be in good soil so that you can produce. But you gotta hear, you have to accept, you have to act on it. And good soil produces 30, 60, 100 times what God has for you in here. So what good fruit do I need? Jesus said, you should produce much fruit. What do I need to be producing right now? Maybe you need healing in your heart. Maybe you need wisdom. Maybe you need peace. Maybe you need kindness. Maybe you need confidence. Maybe you're lacking purpose right now. All of that can be found right in here. But are you ready to work, to create an environment so that God can produce good things in your life? I have faith that if I plant and water grass seed, that it will grow. But church, let's have more faith in planting and watering spiritual seeds so God can produce and bring increase. Amen? Let's have more faith in spiritual seed than we do in natural. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you in the mighty name of Jesus, and we thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for making it clear that you want to do good things in our life. You want to go to work in our life. And so, Lord, I pray that through this message that we would take it home, that we would receive it, we would apply it. But, Lord, I pray that this week we would go and we would make the necessary changes that we need to to stir up, to plow up the the soil of our hearts so that we can receive all that you have for us. Lord, let us not be a church body that is not ready to receive all that you have. Lord, we are hungry to produce much fruit because we know it is an honor. It is an honor to produce your fruit, not ours, because we want to bring you glory. So Holy Spirit, would you help us this week? Help us put feet to our faith and see it through. We love you. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Abide Church podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially, or if you're in the Tulsa area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out AbideChurch.com.